The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. And welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You can think of us as the EA and loot boxes of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be a part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I am one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who fills every day with surprises. Josh, how are you doing this evening? Surprise, my phone went off twice while you were recording that. <laughs> it's just because you're such an important person. And I was trying to figure out how to set my phone to silent mode since I have a new phone. So That's, I didn't know how to do it. <laughs> that is one of the most fun things about having a new phone. And interestingly enough, in my job, I regularly have to tell people to put their phones in a locker and make sure it's not going to ring or vibrate or mm. shut it off or something like that. The number of people who have no idea how to shut their phones off is staggering. Yes. Absolutely staggering. So so while you, while my surprise phone thing went off, I, I don't like that that we're you compared us to EA. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> let's scratch that from the record. <laughs> well, but I just said, you know, I'm happy that, to know, be a surprise mechanic for you. <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, EA and, and loot boxes are are tied together just like board games and video games are tied together that's very true i agree it might not be the most tied together (laughs) it might not be the most flattering comparison i've ever done for us but it's a thing yes it could it could be worse so (laughs) josh you know it's not a news week but i just have to start off with the question of hey Hmm. what do you think about those ea execs not taking their bonuses you know i wonder if they were pressured to do that (laughs) <laughs> if it was totally someone from PR coming down and being like, yo, it's going to be really good. It's going to look good, or at least it'll look not bad if you don't take your bonuses and we can make a point of it. Yeah, I hate to seem like I hate to seem pessimistic about it, but I I, I should be like good for them. That's a nice thing they did. But of course, I'm like. We all know why they did it. <laughs> no one just gives up that money, especially executives at corporations. Well, so. <laughs> very clearly, they talked about where it was going to and what it was yeah. going to be used for. So there was some thought and planning that went into it. Yes. Yes. Which it seems it, it's now that conundrum of, okay, it seems like what they're going to put the money to is something that is good and that we can support of recruiting developers and making sure they have the resources they need to to make the games that we all love to play. That's that's a thing we could support. Yeah. But was it done, you know, pessimistically? Are we saying, oh, it was done for them to look good, to have a positive PR spin or, you know, a, a good light shown on ea for the first time in a while but if that is the reason it was done and that was the only reason it was done do we really care because it ended up in the thing (laughs) that we kind of like it comes across as crisis management uh that it's not necessarily that but 
in the state of affair of EA, it just seems that way. Uh, you know, unfortunately, if it was like, um, I don't know, name a company that Nintendo, they're like, hey, we're doing this. People would be like, awesome. What a nice thing Nintendo did. Because they're not like mired in this like terrible thing that's going on. Right. And I think there's a difference that Nintendo has done this and Sony has oh, sure. done this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I think there's just a difference in business culture from those companies and where their headquarters are based and how they operate. Hmm. So I think that makes it a little bit different potentially. So the best way to look at it is a step in the right direction. You know, there we go. You can you can erase the negativity or the the pessimistic thoughts from your mind and just say, step in the right direction. We don't need to know their motivations. <laughs> so do we want to get really tinfoil hat for a second? Well, we can. It's been a long week at work. (laughs) Okay. So what (laughs) about the theory? (laughs) And I just thought of this now. So if this exists already on the internet, I'm not trying to plagiarize someone else. What about maybe they didn't meet sales expectations or whatever the goal was to earn their bonuses. So this is what is being done with the money instead. So maybe they really aren't quote unquote giving them back. Maybe they didn't earn them. Yeah, I also thought maybe that they just they still gave them their bonus, but then said that they didn't get it and gave this chunk to these people. Look at look at us with the wild <laughs> speculation that has no basis in fact or investigative reporting at all. We're just throwing things at a wall saying, hey, what if the rest of the Internet does it? Why not us? <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. But hey, you know what? I was gonna say this actually is the most odd topic, I think our beginning of the podcast deep dive has ever been board games and video games. (laughs) Yeah. We don't usually do that. So my usual transition of talking about this isn't an X podcast. It's a gaming podcast. Doesn't totally fit. So we're just going to move on (laughs) and do some housekeeping and say, Hey, thanks so much for joining us this week. Everyone, as always, if you have any feedback, questions, suggested topics, hit us up at board with VG on Twitter or check out all the amazing things. Josh posts over on the Instagram. Also board with VG. We are a proud part of PSVG, and PSVG is on Patreon. We are absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us over there thus far. And if you'd like to monetarily support the work that we do, you can find us at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen to us and maybe share our podcast with someone who you think would enjoy the work that we do. I do want to give a shout out, though, to some of our Patreon producers, Coach Hulk, Edwin Callow, Barry Cathcart, Josh Barboni, Chris M., Devin Tyus, Paul Calico, and Betty Lou. Thank you so much for your donations. We do appreciate them very, very much. And we are a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network as well. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all of the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that is right for you. So, Josh, now that E3 is over, now that Origins is over, we are back to the more traditional podcast format. And this week is covering the games we have been playing. So, good sir, what have you been playing on your tabletop? Well, what have I been playing? Well, we played Gloomhaven again. We played uh, the same scenario again, and we lost again. So we are deciding what to do next. We might go do a side quest, try to level ourselves up a little bit. Um, But essentially, we've been playing this map where we need to defeat all the enemies 
instead of just like getting to the boss and defeating the boss, we literally have to defeat every enemy in this, we'll call it a tomb. And there's these uh, oozes that multiply sometimes, which makes it hard to kill everyone when you're in a room with five oozes and all five of them make five more oozes. So uh, it, it has been quite difficult. So we are going to... Um, reconvene and strategize in town in the gloomhaven town <laughs> uh and figure out what we're gonna do and probably buy some new year and see what we can get um going uh so yeah that was uh it was still fun i'm still loving playing gloomhaven so you know even though it's difficult the game is designed to be difficult it's just tough when you play a four-hour game session and nothing happens from it. <laughs> right. So, you know, we have some house rules where, like, we still keep the gold and experience we earned. So mm-hmm. so we're still having fun while we play because um, I'm pretty sure that uh, – I'm not pretty sure. It's possible that the rules don't let, allow you to carry over your experience, which would make sense if you die. Um, but we're trying to make it a little bit easier while still maintaining the integrity of the game itself. Instead of just breaking it down to like, we go to dungeons, we win, we go to the next dungeon. So right. uh, still loving that, still having fun. And then um, we had a, I don't want to call it a game night because it was really a, our friend cooks a huge dinner for us. And then we try to play a game, game mm-hmm. night. And we uh, tossed and turned over a few games. Someone that ended up picking Ticket to Ride Europe, which is a game we have not played in a very long time. <clears throat> For people who aren't familiar, uh, it's not too different from Basic Ticket to Ride. Uh, obviously, it's in Europe instead of the United States. Uh, so you're traveling through European countries. Um, the game itself is pretty much the exact same with uh, the exception of two different um, game mechanics that are added. One, Well, one new game mechanic and one new like rule set. So one of the new rules is... Uh, if you go to a, uh, a route that has um, the colored trains you have to place down, but one of those has a train inside the icon, it means you need to play a wild with the cards that you're trying to complete that route with. So that's a big change. Also, the deck has, has a lot more wilds, mm-hmm. so the draw deck is getting shuffled a lot more um, commonly. And then the second change is... Tunnels. Uh, this is probably the big game changer uh, for Ticket to Ride Europe. Uh, if you're familiar with Ticket to Ride, you are familiar with being frustrated when someone takes your uh, one single ro- route that you need to get on, uh, which typically results in you not completing a ticket in the game. Uh, that can be very frustrating. So what Ticket to Ride Europe adds is tunnels, and what that uh, means is each player starts with three tunnels, if you don't use your tunnels, you're going to get points for them at the end of the game, which is a nice bonus. Um, however, to play a tunnel, uh, it costs you one card, and you put it down, uh, I want to say at the end, I believe. So let's say you're traveling to Brussels. You get to Brussels, and you're trying to take the next route, we'll say north. And you're blue, but there's black trains going in the only route north that you need to get. So what you would do is you would pay one card, you would put your tunnel at the end of their route, which then allows you to build another leg of your route on the end of that. Uh, 
So you're not getting the points for the route, you're, uh, which is the negative to that, but you will be able to complete your ticket if that is part of your ticket route that you need to complete. Um, and then when you want to play a second tunnel, it'll cost you two cards. And if you want to play a third tunnel, it'll cost you three cards to play that. Otherwise, if you're familiar with Ticket to Ride rules, the game is pretty much identical. Um, so it's a nice... Uh, challenging mechanics um, for the, like an added challenge to Ticket to Ride if you think it's too easy um, or if you've been playing it so much with the family that you kind of want an upgrade. Uh, also, you can get like the Africa maps, which add even more mechanisms to the game. Um, but this is a nice standalone board game where you don't need the original version to play and Mixes it up enough to make it a challenge. So, do you, how many ticket to ride games do you have? Oh, um, you know, I don't have as many as my wife would want. We have the 10th anniversary, the big mm-hmm. one. We have the regular version. We have Europe. And then we have, I would say, three um, map boxes. Okay. Um, and I couldn't tell you which ones they are off the top of my head. Yeah, Ticket to Ride is one of those games when we were restocking our game shelf. I realized how many versions of Ticket to Ride we have. We have a lot of Ticket to Ride. And I haven't played it in, in a considerable amount of time. But I forgot how many... Is it four base games or five base games? Because there's the US, Europe, Germany. Markland, I think, is technically different. Markland's, and then yeah, the original. Nordic. Nordic countries, I think, is a separate standalone one, too. And then there's another five, I think, map packs. There's also in and the then board Rails gaming circle the Emerald City one. Oh yeah. And then there's Rails and Sales. And Rails and Sales. And I do on that one. Uh and then New York. Yeah. And London. And now London. Yeah. yeah. And my first journey. Is that what it's called? Uh, the... My first journey. Yeah, we have yeah. that one. <laughs> there's so much ticket to ride. Yeah, I mean they do a good job of keeping it fresh, though. It's not like, um, at least I don't th- feel like it's like scanned Monopoly games. Mm-hmm. Like, I think you're getting enough different from the standalone ones. Right. Um, and like the Africa one, even some of the map packs have different mechanisms in them. Yeah. So that's even a, a nice big change, too. Yeah. We have four of the map packs. I think the first four, actually, if I recall. Which are, I think are Asia, India, Africa, and Netherlands. Yes. I believe are the first that four. sounds right. So, yeah. Just one of those games that I feel like can, even if I don't feel that I'm in the mood to play it, as soon as I sit down to play it, I am having a good time. Yeah. So the only yeah. thing I don't like is the little cards. Yeah. Some, like, some of them are... Yeah, they're all tiny. They're all too tiny. <laughs> yeah, we have the 1910 expansion yes. or whatever you want to call it for the U.S. So we pretty much use that all the time. And that's usually the version we play just because the cards are bigger. Yeah, nice. We should get that one. We don't have that expansion. So cool. Well, I'm I'm uh, jealous of the game you played because I've been trying to get I have a whole stack of games behind me that I need to play. And I play Ticket to Ride Europe. So <laughs> <laughs> clearly my okay, priorities though. are a little off. That's okay. Hey, sometimes you got to play what you can play, you know? Yeah. So uh, the game I played, do you have anything else tabletop-wise? No, nope, that's about? it. Okay, so the game I played is actually a game that 
uh, we talked about quite a while ago on this show, and we've actually been fortunate enough to have the designer or one of the designers on this show, uh, Mr. Dan Machado from Smart Iguana Games, and that I got my copy, as did you, of Gravity Warfare from the Kickstarter. So the game came in, and I will say it really does have a table presence. Yeah. There is something about this game that it just looks really cool when it is set up on the table. So that's number one. Number two, I was really impressed with how the the mechanic of the board works. And if you're not familiar, dear listener, with this game, I don't even know if I can explain this well. But basically, <laughs> you have a base with a pole. And sitting on top of that pole, so probably about six inches or so above the table, would you say? Maybe even a little more. Maybe eight or ten. Yeah. Maybe eight or ten inches above the table. You have the board is a U-shape with kind of a holder in the middle of it. On that holder is a very strong magnet, and attached to that very strong magnet is a piece that has a very small point. That very small point sits on the top of that pole and balances the board above the table. So you have base, 8 inches to 10 inches of nothingness board. And the object of the game is you are trying to get all of your pieces onto this board without the board tipping so much that your pieces fall off. Now, there's a lot more complexity to it than that, but that's the general gist of the game. And actually, there really isn't that much more complexity, but there's a little more (laughs) involvement in the game than that. But that's really all you're trying to do, is you're trying to get the pieces onto the board and ensuring that your pieces don't fall off. Now, the board is also double-sided, which is kind of cool. So it gives you a couple different ways that you can play the game. But what you would do on your turn is you roll the dice. When you roll the dice, it's going to one dice is going to give you the piece you have to use, and the second dice is going to give you where on the board you need to place it. At that point, it is then all of your opponent's turn to see if they're going to make this more interesting for you. <laughs> and what do I mean by more interesting? They might give you a card that says you have to use chopsticks to place this piece. They might give you a card that says you have to double it. You have to put two pieces on that spot. They might give you one that says, hey, the board has to be spinning while you place the piece. They might give you one that says, hey, you have to do it blindfolded. (laughs) So your opponents get to play all of these cards. Now, other than the blindfolded one, they all get combined. So you have to do all of the stuff. So maybe the board is spinning, doubled, and you have to use chopsticks. (laughs) That could be what what your responsibility is. So then your attempt to then you pick up your piece with your chopsticks and attempt to place it on the board in a way that the piece is at least half is what I believe the rules say into the spot on the board. And that's and then it becomes the next person's turn. So that's basically what the game is. You roll your dice, you figure out what piece you have to place where people could try to make your life far more difficult. You do have some ways to defend yourself if you would there are some cards that help you with that and then it's the next person's turn and that's just kind of how the game progresses now i've only played this game two player it plays up to six i will have to say i think it probably is much better with five or six people yeah because with two players there's just so little on the board throwing you off that it doesn't i don't know that it quite has the same um 
difficulty that it would with more players. Now, one thing we considered to do was to each basically play two sets, if you would, so you get more pieces on there. And we haven't tried that yet. But this is definitely a game I'm going to be playing on game night with additional people to get more thoughts and feedback on it. Um, but yeah, like I said, you just can't kind of go around once somebody uses all of their pieces. Um, you do your scoring and you, they tell you you can either do score first to 20 points or do three rounds of people finishing and whoever has the highest point total after those three rounds wins. Um, the game can end early if when you're placing your piece, you, if more than if four or more pieces fall off while you're placing pieces on the board, the game is that round is just over. And you do your scoring, and scoring is based on the number of pieces you have successfully placed. So if you have fewer pieces left in front of you, the more points you would get if a round ends early or even at the very end. Um, If somebody gets all their pieces on, the fewer pieces you have in front of you, the more points that you get. So yeah, the game is interesting. I think my biggest concern with the game is the rulebook isn't as directive as I would like it to be. In that... There are a lot of times where it says you decide how you're how the game is is going to end, how many points or how many rounds. Right. Here are some uh, options, but it's up to you. You can decide. Yeah, which I get to a degree, but I would I would like to have a very clear set of this is the rules for playing this game. Here are a whole bunch of variations at the end. That's totally fine. Yeah, but I I don't want the variations in the middle of my rules. I want the right. variations at the end. I want to know exactly how, when I'm playing this game, I should be playing it. And there are just some things that are kind of unclear. Like once you have placed your piece and now it's the next person's turn and we're all playing cards and we're all doing this thing. And then the pieces fall off before that next person even tries to place it. Well, whose fault was that? Whose turn was that still at that point? Yeah. You know, because if it's, if you transition to the next person, you have five seconds once the person has rolled their dice and shown what piece they have to play where. You have five seconds to decide which cards you are going to play. Uh, if there's multiple opponents, you can talk to each other and kind of decide what you're going to do a little bit. Yeah. But you're supposed to play those cards within five seconds. Well, after those five seconds, though, it says, oh, you can take cards back if somebody else has played the same one as you and all this other stuff. So that turn can take a while. So what happens if the board, you know, it gets very precarious sometimes. So what happens if in that minute or two between turns, those pieces fall? So maybe like throwing like a 10 second timer in the box or something. So people have something to look at while they're deciding if they're going to take cards back or something. Right. Or yeah. Or even or even a clear cut rule of. You know, once the piece is placed after X number of seconds, it has transitioned to the next person's turn or something to make it much clearer. Or yeah. if the if something happens in between people's turns, here's how you resolve that situation. Yeah. Uh, I think somebody even asked a question on Board Game Geek about, well, if you spin the board and you, somebody places their pieces and the board continues to spin, do you stop it? Are you just supposed to wait until it ends spinning? Like how do you, which because of how, with how that thing is weighted, yeah. I think it's been for a really long time. What, you know, what do you do? And the answer was basically, well, when we do it, we just let it keep spinning. Yeah. It's but that's not anywhere in the rule book. <laughs> you know, so I, I think for me, and I granted these are, you know, for Smart Iguana, they've had, you know, Dose and this game, like that's all they've had. Yeah. 
you know, rule books from everything we've heard are some of the hardest things to write when it comes to games. So you can see where there's definitely a little confusion. I think there a little more clarity here would be helpful. I clearly could figure out how generally to play the game from it. So it doesn't make or break it by any means. And I think this is not a complicated game as far as making you think a lot. It's very much here's what you do. Can you do it? Yes or no. It's 100% a dexterity game that may or may not work out for you. But it is fun. We had a good time. There were many laughs had. I just want to play it with more people before I give a completely final review on it. But yeah, just a, just a couple few nits to pick with the rule book. But overall, um, production-wise, pretty quality. The one thing I have to figure out is I, I do feel I was shorted one piece hmm. in, my, in my set. So I have not followed up about that yet, which is my own fault. And I'm horrible about doing that. Any game I've ever had that's missing something. I'm so bad about <laughs> saying, hey, I, I don't have this thing. Um, but yeah, so I just short one ship. So it'd be very hard to play six people right now. Yeah. But yeah, overall, so far, so good with Gravity Warfare. Uh, like I said, it's not going to uh, make you think real hard. But if you're looking just for a, a fun time, I think it might fit the bill. But once I have played it with a few more people, then I will definitely give more impressions on it. So yes. Yeah. All right, Josh, that is all I've been playing on my tabletop. Sir, what have you been playing on your television? Well, interesting ha- interesting thing happened with something I was playing on my television. Oh, really? <laughs> I'll, I'll see. I'm going to play audio, and I'll see if you can hear it. But Are we going to get a copyright strike? No. I have okay. an impressionable child in the house, and I don't typically play video games when he's awake uh-huh. or up. Um, but it's so as it so happened, I was playing this game a couple of times um, when he was around. Mm-hmm. And I'll see if you can tell what it is. Lego cars? Yeah. <laughs> and that's all he says now. <laughs> when he comes in to the living room and sees if the TV's on or off. Cars? Lego cars? Cars? <laughs> Lego cars? No, no Lego cars today. Uh, I started playing Forza Horizon 4 Lego expansion, um, which if you saw our Instagram, I posted a bunch of pictures uh, from the game. Uh, not a bunch, a few. Uh, it's just a, a masterpiece, an engineering masterpiece, a design <laughs> masterpiece, whatever you want to call it. Like the what someone had to say like, this is what we're going to do next. Right. And then they had to have known, well, how do we do Legos? Do we build things individually, which is what they did. Like the designer built everything with actual Legos before they put it into the game. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can't destroy houses because you couldn't destroy houses in the regular Forza Horizon 4. But um, most things that you see that are Lego, you can drive through. And they legitimately explode like Legos. It is incredible. Do they drop studs everywhere? There are studs, like the flowers. Oh, really? The flowers have the studs. Um, the There's like treasure chests along the beach where the pirate ships are that have uh-huh. the gold studs. Uh, it's very impressive what they did. Uh, the races are uh, innovative, fun. You can use Lego cars or real cars in the races. Um it's just very much, it's just very well done. Um, I could keep talking about it, but it's just best to experience if you get the chance. Uh, Here's my question about that before you move on. Yeah. Now, I know this is DLC. 
Yes. But would you say this has been your favorite gaming experience this year? No, I don't know that it's my favorite game experience this year. Okay. Uh, it's It shares a heck of a lot of fun, but um, I mean, I played a lot of Forza Horizon 4, so it's mm-hmm. still for me a lot of the same. Uh, just in a new in a new suit, a nice fresh new suit, <laughs> fresh block suit. <laughs> um, but it's very cool. Um, but yeah, it it's probably in my top five gaming experiences of the year. But it's very not cool. number one. Uh, we played Dead Space Three. I don't know if we talked about it. I can't even remember if we talked about it, but we did. We played Dead Space Three. I think we did. I don't remember. Yeah. Well, if we did, if we told you this already, sorry, but Kyle and I uh, co-streamed on Mixer Dead Space Three. Uh, both, both of our first experience with the co-op of the game, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. It held up surprisingly well. It really uh, did, actually. You know, uh, if you watch the stream, I think it, it's archived, so you can watch it. Um, there's definitely um, some good like jumpy moments it, it maintained for me what i was afraid of uh it losing some of the dead space um uh heart maybe is the word i'm looking for or feel uh i definitely think that it did lose a little bit by just simply adding another person because that's just not you don't get that solitary at, um experience de- yeah it definitely did not seem anywhere near as creepy yeah because we were talking to each other, we're running around, something that was supposed to be quote unquote scary would happen, but we were in the middle of talking to each other. Yeah. So it yeah, there definitely I think was I think it diminishes maybe that portion of the game a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Um in my quest to try more and more uh Game Pass games, I did try Light Specht Spiecht Lichtspear. Uh, Lichtspear. Um, I tried that. I tried a couple other games. Uh, I'm going to say didn't really leave a, an impression. It's already off of my hard drive. However. <laughs> Which means um, it's probably on my hard drive. Probably on your hard drive. <laughs> um, something that did leave a very strong impression, which I didn't which was the least expected for me, was Riverbound. <laughs> I put Bond. I think it's, it's Bond, right? Or Bond? I think it's Riverbond. Okay, it's Riverbound. Um, which, like, on the face looks like a weird Minecrafty game. Um, I'm going to guess. I didn't look too much into it, but it must be done by the people who did Bastion. No. Uh, no, there's a Bastion skin in the game. Yes, uh, there is. And the game feels very Bastion-esque, which was surprising to me. Uh, in fact, I was just playing it before we recorded, and I just, like, after a long, hard day at work today... I was like giggling and laughing and I said to her, something <laughs> cathartic about just slapping bad guys around with weird weapons. Like uh, it's very cutesy style, um, but you to compare it, I would compare it to like a Diablo hack and slash style game, top down Diablo style, hack and slash dynasty warrior style, um, cutesy characters, which I don't know what style you kind of grab that from Minecraft, I guess. And then blocks. So like the game um, is pixelized. It is blocks and you destroy them. Like you can destroy pretty much everything you see on the map. You can fall off the sides of the map, just like in Bastion. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you're going through levels. You're beating up bad guys with like big giant slappy gloves or crossbows or roses that are used like war hammers. 
like all the weapons are are weird um non-weapon weapons except for like you start off with the sword mm-hmm. um the bad guys are unique uh interesting challenging uh there's bosses to the levels there's big bads that are like in between bosses and minions mm-hmm. the, the level design is great um it's just super fun i've been having such a blast with it uh and it's on game pass so like if you have game pass there's no reason to not check this game out. So would you be surprised to know that this game is not reviewing very well? Yeah, that, that's shocking to me. Yeah, it's not. It's that's sitting at 66 on Metacritic. Really? Yeah. Well, maybe it's a little samey, I guess. Maybe mm-hmm. people don't love the sameness of it. Uh, it's definitely relaxing to me. <laughs> to just like, it's not a game that you have to worry too much about. Um and I'll be honest with you, there's a bunch of dialogue that I'm just skipping um, just to mm-hmm. continue through the levels, which sometimes that happens with games I play. Like, I don't really care for the stories. Like, I'm not, like, in it for that. Right. But I would say uh, you have Game Pass, give this game a shot because it's Game Pass. Worst case scenario, you delete it. That's <laughs> very it's true. Fine. Very true. <laughs> yeah. No, the developer is Coco Cucumber. Okay. And uh, but Bastion is developed by Supergiant, so okay, so it's not oh, interesting. Well, then it definitely has some Bastion, um, yeah. I think they have a few different, I think they have a few different um indie game characters that are in that game, okay. Yeah, you keep unlocking skins. Uh, yeah. Bastion's the only character I've recognized so far. Most of mm-hmm. them are like there's like a Nagiri role and Sashimi <laughs> role, that's funny, stuff like that. Um, yeah. And then um, I've been playing a whole lot of um, season 17 in Diablo 3 on the Switch, uh, which is one of those games where every time I play it, I, I kill my battery on my Switch. Yeah. Which means I've been playing, I play it for two to three hours in one sitting. Um, it's great. I love it still. Um, the season mode, like for someone like me who's played hundreds of hours of Diablo 3 on the PC, Mm-hmm. Um, I was and probably 60 hour or 60 plus hours of it on the Xbox. Like I was a little worried right. that I might not be into it, um, but I was really feeling that itch because Lucas from Flex to Pose and PSVG and I were playing it a bunch on PC when it came out on Switch. We were like reinvigorated to play more Diablo, you know, and then life got in the way. He had a kid <laughs> uh, and other things. So this is how I, I fixed that problem. And yeah, I'm loving it still. There's so much to do in that game. There's so many it's new gear every time. Mm-hmm. Um, the season modes, they add exclusive gear, um, all this different content. So uh, I'm happy with it. And if anyone is out there and wants to play co-op with me on the Switch, just let me know on the socials. Would it surprise you to know that I have Diablo on Switch? I do know you have it. Oh, okay. <laughs> you got it when you went on your trip, I believe. The, yeah, I did. That is exactly yeah. correct. And I really haven't played it much since I got back. I probably should play it more. because I, I said I was going to beat it. That's what I said I was going to do, and I, I haven't yet. So I probably should pick it back up and play it more. There you go. And I said I would share my Switch code this week because I was getting Catan. However... Early reviews steered me away. <laughs> well, and did you see that out of nowhere they dropped Catan on PSVR? Yeah, I saw you share that too, which is crazy. And it was so out of nowhere that I I don't 
claim to be have perfect knowledge of everything in the PlayStation world, but I, I'm pretty up on PlayStation news. I, I'm pretty up on it. Yes. And every week, the PlayStation blog on Friday runs a list of the games that are coming out the following week, usually the following Tuesday, per se, but anytime in that next week. That Catan game was not even on that list on Friday. <laughs> and then on Monday, they were just saying, hey, Catan out tomorrow for PSVR. And then I wanted to know, does it have cross-platform play? Because Catan has been out on Oculus and stuff for a bit now. Not, I don't think a super long oh, yeah, time. Yeah. But it's been out there. So then I wanted to know, does it, is it cross-platform? Can I play with other people? What What is that? Obviously, I can't play with local <laughs> co-op. Yeah, <laughs> that might be a little tough. <laughs> but yeah, that just came out of nowhere. And then I wanted to know um, if you could play from VR with people who are playing on Switch. That would be sweet. Yeah. I doubt you can, but that'd be cool. It would be cool. Everything but, should be cross-play. But guess what? There was no answers to those questions when I was looking it up. Well, you'll have to check the internet now that it's out. I'm sure That's people true. are saying plenty about it. <laughs> I will have to check it out. That was just so weird. So such a random, random out of nowhere. Hey, here's Catan VR yeah. on PSVR. That is weird. Uh, so. In case people are curious why I didn't buy Catan on Switch, like I said, I was going to. It's because I found out there's no local co-op. Um and while I'm sure it will be fun to play with everyone online, I can't rely on people being available. Right. I would like to play this game with my wife, bring it on vacation, play with my family. And uh, it's just too bad they didn't add local co-op to what seems to be a no-brainer. Uh, I could see where there'd be some difficulties, though, with that game locally. You can play Madden locally. You can play Risk locally. Uh, you can play Carcassonne locally. Sure, you can. <laughs> I am just saying I, I can see where there might be some difficulties in making Catan a game that has a lot of secret information, a game that involves bartering and trading. Yeah, I suppose. About there being some issues with potentially doing that locally. Fair now, granted, enough. There are iPad games that you hand back and forth between people, but I also could trade people, just trade resources to myself from other well, people's then hands. What fun will that be? I'm not saying that you should do that. <laughs> and if those are the, if you play games with people who do those things, you probably shouldn't be friends with them. That's right. I'm just saying. Unless they're your family see, and then you're stuck with them. Right. And well, then don't live with them. But I can see where that would be <laughs> a challenge. 12 year old brother, move out. That's right. Get a job. Get a job. <laughs> Get a job, Mr. Lebowski. <laughs> Are you employed, sir? Anyway. All right. The, <laughs> the slippery slope. You go yeah, that was there. slippery slope. Uh, yeah, those are my games uh, that I talked to way too long about. No, not too long as at usual. All. <laughs> We're actually moving along at a good pace today. Yeah. All right. So I played a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Obviously, the one thing that I'm always playing constantly is Overwatch. So that's still happening. Mm-hmm. I've been toying around with the idea of playing more on Xbox, though, and streaming it on Mixer just because streaming is so easy there. Which, granted, I could set up one button streaming on my PlayStation, I just have never done that, but I know you can. Mm. Uh, but maybe someday. We'll see. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if people want to watch really mediocre Overwatch is the problem. <laughs> so anyway, but the games I have been playing is I went back to... Did I talk about... We talked about me finishing Rage 2, right? Yes. Yeah, because I asked about how many guns you had done, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back to Days Gone, like I said I was going to, and got the Platinum Trophy. 
Nice. So Days Gone is 100% cleaned up. Um, I don't. I really recommend don't. I, no, I do recommend <laughs> it. <laughs> I don't. I still to this day don't fully understand the review scores, but I partially get it, but I partially don't. Um, not, and I think things obviously would be different now because when I went back to finish up the platinum, I had no bugs, no nothing. Everything was seamless and no issues with anything. Granted, the loads are still really long to get into the game. But outside of that, everything went really, really well. Um, yeah, so got the platinum there. And I wish PlayStation would do this more. And I, they have started to do it more often. And I hope they continue to do this. But they did the cool thing where I got my platinum trophy. And a day or two later, in my email, I had a little email from PlayStation saying, Hey, congratulations. Way to get the platinum trophy in days gone. Here's a code for a theme. Oh, nice. So there is a platinum trophy theme for Days Gone that you can get once you get the platinum. And I hope they continue to do things like that because they've done that with other games as well. They did it with Horizon. Um, I don't think there wasn't one for Spider-Man or if there was, I totally didn't redeem the code or even see that I had it. But that's something that I hope they continue to do. And I hope they continue to think about trophies and the way people interact with trophies and sweeten the pie, if you would, because getting a cool thing when you get a platinum is fun or getting anytime you get something extra or a different way to show not just that I have a platinum trophy, but here's a small reward for getting that thing. I think it's really cool. Um, I did also get the quote unquote secret ending um, to the game. There is a ending that happens in the credits roll, but there's some other things you need to go do to get the other ending, I guess you would say, uh, additional information ending might be a better way to put it uh and it's interesting i think it definitely sing it sends a message that sony ben probably wants to stay in this world for a while so we'll see what happens i think that you know sony ben i think it seems that people felt they were in hot water that if this game didn't sell well there might not be a sony bend anymore but i think a the game did sell pretty well it seems like yeah. But B, it also seems that with how many studios Microsoft p- has purchased, I don't know that Sony is in the business right now of shutting studios down. <laughs> I, I don't know that they can afford to be in that business right now um, because they're going to have a lot more competition as far as exclusives go and, and what that catalog is going to look like. So I think acquisitions might be more in order than than shuttering and there are some rumors out there about some things we might be hearing in the future so we'll have to see if those come to fruition but yeah days gone got plat done i enjoyed it um i did not finish all of the hordes that is the one storyline that i did not finish at 100 percent. i was somewhere in the 50 percent tile for that um while you're playing the game the hordes are really fun because they're extremely tense yeah the you have to be very thoughtful you have to be very planful you really have to think a lot about what you're about to do and how you're about to do it and in fact you take down the biggest horde in the game as part of the story of the game so once you have finished the game and have unlocked some much more powerful weapons and some much more powerful explosives Taking down hordes just isn't that hard anymore, especially the hordes from the opening areas. 
I was at the point where I had leveled Deacon up enough and had enough guns that I could go to where their nests were and just hit focus to slow down time and use the RPD and just take them all out. Nice. So there wasn't really a lot more thought or focus or it was just very easy to do. So it kind of lost a little bit of the luster. It was that odd situation of being suddenly feeling that you're this really awesome, super powered character. But now the thing that that character needs to do just isn't as fun anymore. Yeah. Because there just wasn't much challenge to it anymore. So that's the only reason I didn't finish him. But yeah, days gone. Good time. The other game then that I jumped into to start was, and that was the game Judgment, which comes from, is this actually a Sega game? It comes from the studio that does Yakuza. And uh, this is kind of their new take on that. I shouldn't say new take on that franchise, but a spinoff that has a lot of heart or, or some similar things thumbprint and fingerprints to what yakuza is but done in a different way with a little bit of a detective story behind it you're trying to solve some cases you have some lines of questioning that you're doing and if you have ever played a yakuza game you will immediately feel at home playing judgment if you have not played a yakuza game you will immediately find out what it's like to play a yakuza game (laughs) um all of the good and and that's with all the good and all the bad I enjoy the Yakuza games. I think they're a, a good time. They're definitely quirky. They definitely, I think the combat is fun as far as brawlers go, but it's not necessarily the most refined combat, but it's flashy and cool to watch. Uh, the stories are a little ridiculous and over the top, but I really like the characters typically. And Judgment has all of those things there just with a different twist. And I am. I haven't fully decided what I feel yet about solving these cases. Part of me really likes it. And part of me wishes it was maybe presented in a different way. Uh, There are some challenges and you get extra experience by basically asking questions um, that are relevant. And it kind of gives you a group of questions to pick from. And as long as the ones that you pick are relevant questions to ask, it uh gives you additional experience for that but as soon as you ask an irrelevant question you lose the ability to continue gaining experience from that questioning which is a fine mechanic and i understand why it is but i in using it i was having a conversation with someone and i thought i bet you they want me to ask about this and that is the thing that is going to say oh that was a good question no you get experience for it but because I had been listening very intently and had read all the information to me prior to me getting there, I already knew the answer to that question. Yeah. And I said, there's another question on here that I don't know the answer to, but I bet that's not the one they want me to ask. <laughs> sure enough, I asked the one that I didn't know the answer to, and that was not the one they wanted. Oh, no. I was a little frustrated by that because it was about an alibi. And I'm like, and we had covered that the person did not have an alibi multiple <laughs> times. So then I get there. And it's like, ask about their alibi. I'm like, we already know they don't have one. Why would I ask about their alibi? We already know they don't have one. But I wanted me to ask them about the fact that they don't have their an alibi anyway. <laughs> Neither here nor there. I knew Being it. A detective is frustrating. It's frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> detective, it's very frustrating. Um, but yeah, so if you've ever played the Yakuza games and you enjoy them, I think you will also enjoy Judgment. If you have never played the Yakuza games, I would encourage you to Try uh, Yakuza 0 or Kiwami 1 or 2, probably starting with Yakuza 0, actually. Uh, you can get them usually on sale for pretty inexpensive. Uh, 0, 1, 2, 0, Kiwami 1, Kiwami 2, and 6, I think, are all on PlayStation 4. Uh, and then 4 and 5, I think, are on PlayStation now. <laughs> I don't know about 3. 
That's what I can think off the top of my head. But <laughs> like I said, if you can get one of the Yakuza games for cheap, I would recommend trying it to see if you like it. And if you do, you will probably like Judgment. So that is all the things that we have been playing on our tabletops and our televisions. So it's time to move on to our topic of the show. Josh, recently some EA executives were testifying before the UK Parliament, and they decided that the best name for loot boxes now is Surprise Mechanics. And they assured Parliament that gamers like them because, quote, people like surprises. They also went on to compare loot boxes to Kinder Eggs and Hatchimals. Hmm. So, Josh, we're going to talk about this in, from a number of different angles, and then we're going to talk about some surprises from a different perspective later. Surprises. <laughs> surprises. <laughs> um, is this the worst argument ever about loot boxes, or is it the worst argument <laughs> ever about loot boxes? Well, when arguing for loot boxes or surprise mechanics, and I know this is in the UK, but... right. Maybe don't use something that's illegal in the United States, the Kinder Egg, as an example <laughs> of what people love. Uh, <laughs> people love a lot of illegal things in the United States, Josh. And I bet if we did a random blind census in the United States, um, mm-hmm. people like surprises. I bet most people don't. <laughs> Do you genuinely think most people don't like surprises? Not all surprises are good, Kyle. In fact, most surprises are bad. <laughs> I, I guess maybe that's true. <laughs> yeah. Look up the news. Just put in surprise in like a CNN and see, see how many good things come up. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I don't know why this made me think of this, but I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second. Um, you know, the all those DNA tw- tests you can get now? Yeah. You know, 23andMe and all that other stuff. I got one right here. Ready to oh. go. <laughs> have, you <laughs> story, have you read the stories about those absolutely destroying families? Yeah. Don't don't buy them for your family if you know it's going to ruin your Well, I don't family. know that people, when they buy them for their families, think it's going to ruin them. That's Someone when, the kids, buy, is when the kids buy them and then mom and dad get really quiet and say, hey, we need a few minutes yeah. and send everyone away. <laughs> yeah, that is well, rough, though. I read some of those stories and that is sad. So anyway, don't like those surprises, do they? Kyle? Yeah, you're right. In those situations, <laughs> surprises bad. Anyway, back on track with games. Yeah. Loot boxes, surprise mechanics. Uh huh. What? A, and they used a picture of Anthem for the article, which is like need not apply. They literally show you exactly what you're buying. <laughs> well, and that was what was weird when I had linked an article about it in our Discord. It was funny because the linked article showed a picture of Anthem. But when you went to this website and on the Twitter, it was a picture of FIFA packs. So yeah, I don't know if different. it was an early <laughs> placeholder that they filled the story in and switched the picture and it just cached that way. Like, I don't know. Yeah. But when you looked at the story, it was definitely something that was re- relative to and reasonable to what they were talking about. But you're so right. I, in the link, it, it was not it yeah. not representative at all. So I, I can talk to So in regards to loot boxes being surprised mechanics or whatever this is what i can relate it to being a kid collecting baseball cards um it's always exciting to buy a new sealed box of cards Mm -hmm. it's never exciting to get your 14th lenny dykstra card i bet you lenny dykstra thought it was pretty exciting 
It's not his rookie card. He's probably over <laughs> it too. <laughs> it's never exciting when you start getting doubles. Mm-hmm. And, and the more you get, the less they're worth. Yep. So th- there's your the difference, right? So when I was a kid, it was called collecting cards. Now people buy in the in back then, you could just buy full sets, right? People yep. go, they buy, I'm gonna buy the complete 1989 tops baseball card set. And then hit, okay, I'm a collector. I have all the cards now. Yep. So you have the people who like the chase, mm-hmm. and then you have the people who would rather pay more. Yep. And get everything up front. That's pretty much what we have with loot boxes now. You can pay this, not every game, but you could pay for some games this price to get whatever. Uh, I'm trying to think of a game that utilizes that. Um, you buy this, you buy the Battlefront like collectors thing, and it comes with like so many of those credits they use in the game, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I mean, you're still buying loot boxes, but it's built into the price of what you're buying. Right. Or you buy each individual loot box and you're like, okay, I got another Han Solo blaster. Right. I can't do anything with this. Yeah. You know, and it's, I think, I mean, you're still getting that aspect. You can't buy like full sets, so to speak. Um, But they give you these bundled options to make you feel like you're getting that full experience. Right. I think that's part of the hard part, right? If I, you know, I'm obviously someone who plays Overwatch that is ripe with loot boxes. Yeah. Uh, And I'm at the point where every time I earn a loot box, everything I get is duplicate at this point. I get money that I'm okay with because then when the next event starts, I can use that money to buy the skins that I want from that event. But I I still don't have every item. I still don't have every skin for every character. And if there's a skin I want... Yeah, I could, right now I could use money to buy it, but there's no way when you get the game day one to just say, I want to buy a complete set of everything. Here's $40. Yeah. Can't do that. Not a thing that you can do. So it's, it is different than baseball cards. Yeah, yeah. That's just you know, my my childlike brain trying to compare it. No, no, <laughs> and I agree. Something. And Because I very much used to be a person who said, hey, I played Magic. You know, I was cracking packs constantly. I know the chase. That's just not a big deal to me but the more i've thought about this the more i don't know that i totally changed my opinion on it but i i recognize more what the concern is because it probably would be different if in overwatch which is probably the game i'll refer to the most because it's just the one i have the most experience with it would be very different if i could say hey josh i have x skin for reinhardt i know you play a lot of reinhardt yeah. I noticed you have Y skin for Lucio. Can I give you X skin from Reinhardt for your Y skin from Lucio? And then we just swap. Yep. Like that would be super. I think that would be very different and really change the feel of all of these things that happen. But that's not a thing that you can do. There's no way to do that in the game. And I think also a podcast I was listening to, um, DLC, on there they talked about the idea of, you know, when baseball cards or magic cards or any of those random physical objects are done as far as packs go all the things are printed put into packages and sent out there is a finite number of every single item now they could print more yeah but there is a number of each item x number of them exist with loot boxes and games who knows how many of those things exist and you have to assume, or they're asking you to assume, 
that is being done in good faith. That, hey, right. you haven't purchased a loot box in a while, and now you did. Oh, look, you got something real good out of this one. So yeah. maybe you should buy another one. Yeah. Now, I would like to think that's not happening, but they also don't have to disclose the odds in the United States. So we don't know if they're truly random. Yeah. Which leads me to the question I wanted to ask you, one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Yeah. So they they were quoted by saying they aren't gambling. Mm -hmm. And we disagree that there's evidence that shows they lead to gambling. Mm -hmm. What you just described is yeah. gambling. Yeah. <laughs> and and I I think it's a form of gambling, which most certainly leads to gambling. Right. Um, so I wanted to know, uh, do you? What do you think? <laughs> I love the line. And this is from Polygon's article on it that says, um, quote, they aren't gambling and we disagree that there's evidence that shows there that they lead to gambling. Like you were, unquote, like you were yeah. saying. Yeah. We just disagree. We're we have no evidence to <laughs> refute it. We yeah. have no research that shows it's not true. We just disagree. Yes. Because that's what you do. You have, right. to, you have to do that <laughs> if you're if you're setting up children to learn how to gamble. I mean... I think that's the more dramatic approach, right? Like kids learn how to gamble if their parents ever teach them poker, mm -hmm. like even Monopoly. These are things that you learn at a young age, um, whether it's meant or not, whether you learn it at a friend's house or from your parents. Mm -hmm. um, but I think the difference between playing a board game or card game and, and this is you're not paying money necessarily in those situations as a child, at least to do this. And mm -hmm. also, like you said, if there's an algorithm, so every slot machine, they have payouts programmed into them. So yep. they know like this money pulls this blah, blah, blah. Right. Cause they're regulated. Right. Which I am sure EA or even this, overwatch, this, they oh, yeah. have, they have a formula mm -hmm. where they put 100,000 Reinhardt skins to one divorce skin, diva skin, uh, the, like the legendary or the seasonal ones or whatever. And then you're right. What happens if they have this algorithm that recognizes when someone hasn't played Overwatch mm -hmm. in six months to entice them to buy packs because they got a legendary or two out of a, out of a loot box? Right. And I think the thing that's frustrating is that you know, they'll have special events that go on where you can only get these skins and events. And then you open a loot box and you see that it's a gold disc spinning in the air. And you're, yeah. Yes, I have a legendary. And then it lands and it's just a ordinary quote unquote legendary that you could get at any time. And it's not a legendary from the event. Yeah. And you're really angry, <laughs> but it seems to happen every event. And you swear that they have to know that they're doing this on purpose. And even, if and even if they're not, yeah. That doesn't change you from thinking that, right? Well, if they can't give you the facts, you kind of have to assume that you're being misled. Right. <laughs> That's just I the know. way the brain works. No. So do you think so the ridiculousness of this defense aside, right? Surprise me, whatever. This is yeah. completely ridiculous. The fact that this is even the angle they tried to take. I really wonder who sat around that table and said, Yes, this is a good idea. We're gonna go this route. Um, do you think there is any place in games for loot boxes, surprise mechanics, random chance to get 
item, whatever you want to look at it. Is there a place in games for that mechanic at all? Yeah, I mean, let's get rid of surprise mechanics forever and bury it in the ET landfill. I don't ever want to hear that again, but uh, I think it's still fun. I think when it becomes less fun um, is when it's actually mechanics. Like a skin in Overwatch is not a game mechanic. Mm -hmm. It's It's not making you play better. It's not increasing your chances of winning a match or whatever. It's when we see games like Star Wars Battlefront 2 or Battlefront 1, when you get characters Mm -hmm. or more powerful weapons, Mm -hmm. uh, that's when it becomes a play to win. And you're not even, it's not even necessarily playing to win yet at that point because you don't know what you're uh, paying to win. You don't know what you're paying for yet. You might get a gun that's worse than everyone else's starting gun. Right. So uh, it, it's one of those situations where we're going to be in this forever loop in, unless it gets um, taken care of uh, in parliament or your legislature in the U.S. government that they regulate or clearly define what a loot box is and mm-hmm. what it can be um, because, yeah, I don't know. It, Technically, they should be able to do whatever they want, right? Uh, to a to a degree, right? Like if EA wants to put out a game where ninety percent of the game is pay to play, like that's their decision, and if they go out of business, that's on them, right? Real realistically, what this has come down to is we have some parents who aren't paying attention to what their children are buying, and we have some adults who are not able to manage their own finances and are spending thousands of dollars on Fortnite or whatever. How do we mm-hmm. stave them? Like right. it's down to self-control or paying a little bit more attention to what you or your your children are doing. But it's it still does think if you are a competitive gamer and you can jump into a game where someone can be better than you because they paid $10 more. Right. That stinks. Yeah, I I think it's hard when you say, oh, it's, it comes down to self-control. Because if we truly do think that, yeah. Yeah. you know, that this is gambling, mm. gambling obviously has addictive qualities to it. So it isn't oh, sure. necessarily just down to self-control. Um, you're and- right. I didn't, mean to, I didn't mean to simplify it like that because you're, you're absolutely right. Gambling is is a bad addiction. And, and now gaming is being recognized as right. habit forming too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, when we look at... Whether it be, it used to be how long you played a game to determine how good your weapons were, right? Back when, like, Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the original one, uh, Call of Duty yeah. 4 Modern Warfare came out, <laughs> you know, the longer you played, you unlocked new guns, and those guns were often, quote-unquote, better or more powerful. Maybe there was one starting gun that was pretty good, but for the most part, you wanted those higher-level guns. And that was determined by how long you played, how good you were, you could level up faster to get those things. Well, if you don't have the time to do that, should you just be able to pay some money to get that same benefit if you don't want or have the ability to put in the time? Right. You know, I think that's an, I understand that argument. I don't necessarily fully agree with it, but I get it. And I think that I look at games like, again, Overwatch or any game that provides you a loot box when you level up. Let's say we completely get rid of loot boxes that they're not allowed anymore. You can't have them. So what happens when you level up then? 
nothing. You like your little profile thing changes, and then you have to pay five dollars to get the pair the really cool Paragon Reinhardt skin that you want, which isn't even a legendary skin, but still the best one. Um, it's the one I use. But anyway, um, is that how that works? And it just it says, okay, there's no more loot boxes. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe you get your you get your new portrait, you know, on your character when you level up, but that's all you get. And if you want skins or you want sprays or you want emotes, you have to spend a dollar or two dollars or three dollars. Then you know exactly what you're getting. You know, you know yeah. exactly what the price is and what you're getting for that price. Uh, is that the better solution, you think, than having loot boxes in games just saying, hey, there are microtransactions, but here's exactly what you get for the money you're paying? Yeah, I mean, uh, we'll see when Gears of War 5 comes out because they've literally just come out and said that we're not doing any of the gears uh, i forget the name crates whatever they were they, they're eliminating everything that that is very similar to what we're talking about and they're mm-hmm. doing it so you can earn it in the game right and then you can decide what to put it towards as you earn stuff in the game mm-hmm. um i think it's i mean it's not it's a little simpler than what you're asking because like it's not eliminating something forever it's just it's just saying right we hear you right and maybe they'll come out and people will not like it as much and they'll want gears chests crates whatever they are called back mm-hmm. um that's also possible um i don't know that doing the pay for option just like upfront is the better solution I, i'll still always come back to my thought on where we are for gaming that we're still paying $60 for a game and then we're being asked to pay another 60 to $600 on, <laughs> yeah. on content for the game, yep. depending on the game. I, it would, I would be far more receptive to microtransactions, loot boxes, et cetera, if just games came out at a lower price point, right. $30, $40, knowing, you, you know, I'm buying this game for $30. I'm probably going to put another $30 in in the in fill in the blank right i would i would be way more receptive to that obviously that's taking in in companies minds that's taking money away from them mm-hmm. and this is their way to make more money off of software which i get um i just have a hard time doing it and i and i can honestly tell you it's been a long time since i've spent money in a game that wasn't like dlc yeah. It's been a very long time since I played Star Wars Force Collection on my phone. Oh, wow. That was okay. the last time I was spending money, and that was years ago. So um, I've just kind of always been opposed to it. Uh, and when I played Star Wars Force Collection, I was totally – I was spending hundreds of dollars a paycheck on mm-hmm. on card packs. But in that game, you could trade cards. Right. And there was a line forums set up to work on trades and people were selling them. Mm-hmm. So it was a big, crazy deal, but that was 100% gambling at that point. Right, right, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I don't know that I have a good answer for you. Yeah, I think it's hard <laughs> because I get that making games is expensive. I really understand that making games, especially AAA, quote unquote, games cost a lot of money, sometimes hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. I 100% get that. And then supporting them for years and years and years costs even more, right? Because how many new copies of Rainbow Six Siege are sold each year compared to the players who have stuck around and bought the season three pass with all the stuff, you know? Yeah. Obviously, some new copies are still sold, but not probably, I would guess, 
to the same extent as to to what it was in the maybe year one and year two. So I get that if you want the continued support for these games, there has to be additional revenue generation, right? Because buying the game at $60 on day one had to pay for X number of years development prior to getting to there. Right. And now you want the support moving forward too, which, okay, but now how are we going to pay for that? So I get it. I, I totally understand. And part of me, when I get my loot boxes, when I level up an Overwatch, is excited about it. And I want to see if I get something cool. And 98% of the time at this point, I don't anymore because I've played so many hours of it. Yeah. But I still kind of like doing that. And mm-hmm. in the past, when there were events, I would throw 10 bu- get $10 worth of loot boxes because I've played hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of the game. So, hey, yep, I've put my time in way more than my $60 worth of hours. I'll give 10 more dollars. And it wasn't. I only did it during events because it seemed like the greatest benefit to me. And it was $10. I had no problem giving the company. I wasn't doing specifically to get the loot boxes. It just seemed the best time to kind of quote unquote reinvest in my experience. Um, So yeah, I, you know, part of me, but I also recognize the fact that for me, it's not an issue. It's not a concern where I overspend in that area. It's not something where I feel the need to, have the chase of getting these things. I've felt that far more in physical card games when I've been in those situations far more. Like when I played magic, it was bad. I spent way more money on magic than I ever should have. Um, And in the end, you know, I was able to sell my collection for a pretty penny. I don't know if it recoups the cost of what I spent on it, but I still was able to make, you know, thousands of dollars when I sold it, the, the collection. So yeah, I, it's just really hard because, you know, like you said, there's no way to, to sell this. I can't trans. I mean, I guess you can sell accounts. Technically, I could try to sell my yeah. Overwatch account <laughs> to someone, I guess, if I really wanted to. I don't know if anybody wants a platinum account, but hey, why not? Um, yeah, it, it is an interesting thing. I do wonder what the end resolution is going to be. I I feel like some sort of governmental uh, action is almost inevitable at this point point obviously some countries have already done some things but i kind of wonder if you know some intervention in the united states is almost inevitable here as we get closer i just hope that if they do it they do it in a way that makes sense some of the countries have done it in ways that are really odd that haven't really done anything i know one of the countries i can't remember which one that basically said that you cannot as in-game rewards get loot boxes so the games just modified it so that you got currency when you leveled up. But the only thing that currency could be used for was to buy loot boxes. <laughs> yeah. So what good does that do? You know, so I, I do just hope they're very thoughtful if they're going to do any regulation about what you can do to actually help this. And I think for me, the biggest thing is just transparency. We genuinely have no idea how this works and we want to assume or hope they're doing it on a good faith, but we have no way to know if they are or not. Right. Yeah. So. All right. Well, hey, that's enough about EA and loot boxes. But on the positive note of surprises, I did want to take a moment or two and just discuss what some of our favorite surprises in gaming have been, Josh. So when you think of all the games you played, board games, video games, what is some surprises that happened in game that you thought were enjoyable that came to mind? Well, I mean, there's a lot. There's a lot that I have that I feel like a lot of people have. Mm hmm. Um, but the the one that always sticks out to me, um, is from spec ops. The that was line. the number one on my list. <laughs> That's my number one. I shouldn't have started with number That's one. That's okay. Right? Um, uh, actually it's tied for number one, but yeah. So, um, spec ops, 
I still think is just a, such a solid game and has it has such great storytelling. But are we doing spoilers while we do this? Like, are we spoiling things? I mean, Spec Ops: <laughs> The Line came out what two thousand six? Yeah, I'm not sure what year. It's it's been a long time. Though. I think we probably are safe to spoil things for at least for that game at this point. I think so. It's been so long. So you play you play a character Walker, and essentially you're progressing through the story, and you're taking these commands from your general who's telling you to do these. Okay, I was way off. It's 2012, but it's still been seven years. Okay, these she's telling you to make these very tough decisions, um, and you every time you don't have a choice, you you typically have to make a decision one way or the other. And sometimes they're tough as far as like, you wouldn't want to do either of those decisions. Uh, There's a part where you, you use white phosphorus and basically kill hundreds of innocent women and children, uh, which you don't realize until after you do it. Um, And then uh, eventually you get to a point where you find the, I want to say he's a sergeant or your commander who's giving you orders is dead. He's been dead the whole time. Mm-hmm. You've just been like internalizing his commands to make you know, like your character feel okay with doing what he's been doing. And you yep. literally go through a, like a scene of like, like psychosis or whatever in the game where your character's like, legitimately losing his mind and mm-hmm. uh, some of the most impressive visuals in that game uh for its time i'm not sure how they hold up um but yeah that story really threw me for a loop and and i don't i don't know that a game has ever hit me that hard um as far as like physically and emotionally like because of the things you do i know it's just a game but like it was it was interesting and it was tough to 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 like think back on what happened and realize what happened. Like, I was like, no, <laughs> that can't be right. Yeah. <laughs> That's not who I think it is. <laughs> yeah. That game very much when I, when you get to the end of that and you piece everything together, I remember sitting on my couch looking at the screen and saying, what? <laughs> and just, I, yeah, I, I like to think usually that I kind of have my pulse on what's going on in a game. But that twist really got me. And it's a great twist. And it's an interesting way of looking at violence and war in a way that we very rarely do in video games. It's uh, not something that is typically a way um, we look at those sort of activities and, and the cost of those activities. So, yeah, yeah, it was, that is a good one for sure. That was number one on my list. Um, one on my list that is board game related is actually, I'm not going to spoil these because these are pretty new, but <laughs> uh, two of the Legacy games I have played, Pandemic Legacy Season 1 and Charterstone, mm. have both had surprises that I did not see coming at all. And that when they happened, I said, oh goodness, this is not how I would have played this had I known or had any <laughs> clue that this is where this was going to go. And, you know, I think in regular, quote unquote, typical board games, it's probably harder to have twists because pretty much literally everything is laying out in front of you. Maybe in games with like secret traders and things like that, you might be surprised by who that person is or something like that. But in general, I think since most board games don't have a quote unquote story, it's a little harder to have a twist. But 
legacy games have definitely seemed to be fixing that problem. And the more mature legacy games get and the more of them we're getting, uh, how the development of those is continuing to be refined. I think we're going to get to new see more of that. But Pandemic Legacy Season 1 for sure. Season 2 I don't think had quite so many twists, um, but Season 1 for sure did. And Charter Stone definitely had moments that I was very surprised that that's where the game was going to go. And I had me questioning everything I had done prior to getting to that point and whether I had made grave mistakes in my in my gameplay. So nice. What is next on your list, sir? Well, if I go at board games to keep on that, um, I would agree. Uh, Pandemic season legacy season one is definitely on that, especially if I'm sure I know the surprise you're talking <laughs> about. Um, and then I kind of I, I wanted to include um, Betrayal at House on the Hill because uh, there's still so many haunts in that game that I have not experienced. So I, I would argue every time I play that game, there's a surprise uh, for the most part um, because it is possible to repeat some things, but mm-hmm. the amount of different scenarios that can happen, uh, I think every time I play that game is a surprise that I genuinely enjoy. Um, so it's nice to to have games. So the legacy definitely game, like style of games, but, um, cause risk legacy certainly had, um, a surprise moment for me when I looked under the game tray, <laughs> which I look under all my game trays now when I get a box uh, of mm-hmm. any game because right. people it's... just throw stuff under there now. What's under there? <laughs> um, so I have definitely experienced that with legacy games, but, uh, um, betrayal and house on the hill has always like been one of those games where I love to play because I don't know what's going to happen when we play it. So that's excellent one. Yeah, I'm trying. I have more on my. How many more do you have on your list? Well, I mean, I could do more. I mean, I have one, two more video games. I have two more. Well, I have actually three more video game ones, but I could do two more video game ones. Oh, man, I'm trying to think of what you're going to pick and what you're not going to (laughs) pick. You probably know what I'm going to. Well, I have an idea. So I'm going to go with the one that I don't think you're going to go. Okay. and because this just came out on a new platform, even though the game's older, I'm not going to spoil it because it is playable for the first time on a platform it was not available on before. Uh, and that is the twist in Heavy Rain. Oh. So um, for those of you who are not familiar, Heavy Rain, uh, w- one of those uh, story-driven, narrative-driven games from the folks at Quantic Dream who did Detroit and, oh gosh, uh, Beyond Two Souls. There we go. Um, that involves the search for the origami killer and it is a interesting game i think many would argue probably still quantic's best game even though it's you know i think their second game they had ever made but yeah the twist in that game was pretty surprising pretty powerful pretty moving uh and i really really enjoyed it i think it's a it's a good game overall and the twist was something that i thought was pretty solidly done so i think i'm gonna throw heavy rain on the list nice well i'll i'll throw on the list um something that you would know by three words do you know what i'm gonna say i yep because this was on my list too is it yeah what do you kindly uh so this is from bioshock and this is a game where you are, I mean, you're exploring this underwater, basically Atlantis that that Mr. Ryan built uh, for everyone to live away from 
politics and all this stuff, which just ends up being a haven for politics and religion, and you just can't escape it. <laughs> and mm-hmm. you're going through the game, and you're you're basically completing all these tasks. Um, you're even <laughs> interacting with small little children and big beasties and all these people. And then eventually you find out you're hearing this like throughout the whole game. Like he's over the PA always saying like, would you kindly do this? Would you kindly, you know, all these like subtle, you might pick on it. It's kind of like a sixth sense kind of spoiler. Mm -hmm. Uh, You might not pick up on it. Um, But basically you find out that you pretty much been brainwashed the whole game and you're just doing his bidding. Um, And, when you hear that, you're like, no, no, I wasn't. I would never do. And like, it's just like such a shock to to make you believe you, you feel like when you're playing a game, you're the puppet master, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And to find out if, even though you were technically really the game's narrative is setting you up as you are the puppet, uh, which is kind of creepy and kind of fun at the same time when you find out about it. Right. That game was so good. I should go yeah, back and play that. Great game. Oh, I should totally go back and play that. The game's so good. <laughs> Man. Was that your full list then? I got one more. Okay, so I will do my other one. I don't know if this will be on your list, and this one I'll spoil a little bit because it's an old game that I think a lot of people want remade. A lot of people want this to have the Resident Evil 2 remake attached to it. Hmm. Do you think? Do you know where I'm going with this? Maybe. I would like my number my, my second number one game to be remade. So okay. maybe it's the same game. <laughs> Does it start with an S? Uh-huh. Okay, I'll let you talk about that one. Then I'm going to go somewhere with else. With a C? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. So it's a different game. End with a C? Uh huh. Nope. That one doesn't end with a C. Okay. So I'm going with Silent Hill 2. <laughs> oh, no. That's not what okay. it is. So Silent Hill 2, I think, was another game that had, was a huge surprise for me. And it's been a long time since I played this. But if I recall, and like I said, this is going to get spoilery for Silent Hill 2. So if you don't want to know what happens, skip ahead like a minute. But in it, your character, man, I think his name is James. Yes, James. Uh, You are traveling to Silent Hill to meet your wife. And when you get there, uh, instead, you are (laughs) greeted by a whole bunch of monsters and other weird things. And you see uh, visions of a young girl who looks a lot like your wife. But that is about all. And anyway, you're working your way through the game. All the scariness and spookiness of what the game is. Trying to look for your wife. Trying to find your wife. And how the game ends is that you basically find a videotape um, that shows you killing your wife before the game even started. And what the game actually is, is you dealing with literally the monsters you have now for what you did. So to me, I, that yep, that was surprising. That's not at all where I thought that game was going. <laughs> uh, that is, as like I said, that's a very brief remembrance of that game it's been a long time since i played it but silent hill 2 i think still one of the better horror games that's ever been out there from a story perspective i thought it very very interesting really cool um way that they did that so yeah silent hill 2 definitely a surprise for me what is the last one on your list sir okay so the last one on my list which tied for first for me is star wars knights of the old republic hmm. so I'm going to read this because I could tell you about the game, but this is better. Um, When you start playing the game, you're basically starting a fresh character. Um, 
throughout the adventure, throughout the story of the game, um, you hear about the stories of Darth Revan. He's a Jedi who traveled beyond known space, and then he came back with a giant Sith invasion force and his apprentice, Darth Malak. Um, so most of the story of the game is you retracing Revan and Malak's steps in order to find out why he turned to the dark side. Um, and as you're playing way, 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 way late in the game, you discover you are Darth Revan and your memory was wiped by the Jedi who are trying to, uh, use him to find all the power of the Sith and what they're up to. So basically you play this whole game, building your team, forging these relationships with characters, and then you find out this whole time you are the big bad. The reason why you can't <laughs> find him is because you, were you are him and your memory was erased. Uh, it was mind-blowing. And this is a long time ago. Yeah. This is when branching narratives started. Like This is when big plot twists like this really started happening like uh in like the zeitgeist is that the best way to say it like mm-hmm. where it was talked about so much that it became its own thing i mean obviously like if you look up like uh surprises like uh yeah metroid is a girl yeah surprise <laughs> so maybe that's the original uh surprise gaming moment but yeah, I hope we leave that in because of that was terrible. <laughs> we'll see. I didn't literally say anything the entire time you were gone. We'll so just, we'll see. I can say surprise. Silence <laughs> 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 in between. <laughs> really long pregnant pause. So if it wasn't left in, dear listener, Josh accidentally hung up on the call. But now he's back. Oops. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. All right. So, hey, those are some of our biggest surprises from games. We would obviously love to know what yours are, dear listener. And Josh, we did have a couple people who submitted what theirs were before the show. Why don't you take us through them? We did. So we po- po- Kyle posed that question to our Discord and our Twitter, asking if uh, what your gaming surprises were. And at uh, Skinny Matt, Matt Knight himself on Twitter says... I'd have to say finishing the floating continent in Final Fantasy 3 slash 6, I had no idea back then uh, that that was only the halfway point to the game. And I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember playing that game, not that vividly where I remember that happening, but I do remember it being uh, there being a point where it did seem like you completed what you were supposed to be like doing in the game. Right. Um, also, Final Fantasy VII has a pretty big uh, yeah. surprise moment. <laughs> that it does. And then uh, Seth the Seth is the goat via our Discord, although Tom Brady is the goat, uh, says, the opening of Mass Effect 2 surprised me the first time I played it. Certainly wasn't expecting Shepard to die. Spoilers. Uh, and Journey, uh, which is a top 10 favorite game of mine, wasn't expecting to love that game as much as I do. That's an interesting surprise. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think of, of a game that I really enjoyed that I didn't anticipate liking, and nothing came to mind. But I wanted to include something like that in my list of surprises, and I just couldn't think of one. Because yeah, I, I think to, like look at all my games that like I wish we collected a list. Right. I I think some revisionist <laughs> history starts to happen too. Yeah. About oh no, I was always really excited for this game. It was I was looking forward to it. It was going to be great. I think some of that starts to happen a little bit. Yeah, I think you're right. I can't. I can't think of. I have a good surprise in the Mass Effect universe. 
I was very surprised that EA crumbled under this the weight of complaining fans and rewrote the ending to Mass Effect 3. Surprise. <laughs> My surprise in the Mass Effect universe is how good the multiplayer was in Mass Effect 3. Yeah, it was really good. It was really good. <laughs> You're right. I played way more of that than I did actually the Mass Effect 3 hour spend in Mass Effect 3, the story. So that was a good multiplayer. Yeah, it was surprisingly good. So, all right. Well, hey, thanks so much for letting us know what your game surprises are. We would still love to hear them. So feel free to reach out to us on the social media. Let us know at Board with VG on Twitter or join us in the Discord. Let us know what some of your favorite game surprises are. And that about wraps up our show for this week. While we are clearly a gaming podcast, we do like to leave you at the end of the show with one recommendation, suggestion, or thing we are currently into that is helping us live a well-rounded life. Josh, what is your recommendation for our listeners this week? So my recommendation this week is uh, another Netflix show. It's a documentary series, docu-series, if you will. It's called Our Planet. It is, of course, narrated by David Attenborough. (laughs) And it is very similar to um, Planet Earth or Blue Planet. Uh, This one has more of a focus on conservation and maybe some life lessons for us um it's also pretty tragic right out the gate uh in fact there was i had a tough time watching uh a a specific part of the second episode um Hmm. which is just i don't want to spoil it for people but it was tragic um but it's it's still like that beautiful um like eye candy to like to have on your tv but uh, there's a little bit more to this i think than i mean planet earth still had some good messages but maybe it's just that there's been enough time in between planet earth and now that i feel like it's fresh Mm -hmm. um but it looks incredible it's if you have netflix it's streaming in 4k if you have a 4k tv um it just looks great and it's very well narrated and told so i recommend checking out our planet on netflix awesome very very cool uh my recommendation this week i'm going off form which i have been i think this will be like two weeks in a row now (laughs) uh i'm going to recommend a movie but just a regular old movie and that movie is toy story 4 went and saw that in the theaters this weekend and i will say i think most people have said that the summer box office this year thus far has been a disappointment, that there mm-hmm. haven't been a lot of great summer movies. The movies that everyone thought was going to do well have not done well. I mean, it's also a big, not that every summer isn't, but this summer in particular, a lot of sequels this year. Yes. Um, or returns of, of older series. But Toy Story 4, surprising film that after three Toy Story movies, I didn't necessarily know that we needed or that I wanted a fourth one. But after watching the fourth one, I am glad that it exists. I think it's a nice epilogue on the series. I won't spoil anything, but I think it definitely is worth your time. And I think I was having this conversation with my partner about, okay, how do you rank the four Toy Story movies now that there's four? This might be the least good of the four Toy Story movies, but that's kind of saying it's the least good of a really good thing. (laughs) <laughs> you know, being fourth place when the with the other three Toy Story movies ahead of you does not mean it's a bad movie by any means. So right. uh, Toy Story 4, really recommend it. It was a good time. And I think 
more than anything, when I sat down in that theater and the movie started, and I remembered in my mind, I was kind of thinking about what the original Toy Story was and, and what that movie was and where I watched it and where I watched it. And then Toy Story 4 starts and seeing what the difference, how far computer animation has come yeah. is mind blowing. <laughs> Absolutely mind blowing. And when you think of, especially when you think of the animals in the first Toy Story, and then you see the animals in this one, yeah. my goodness, <laughs> it is ridiculous how far things have come and really how much um, Pixar has advanced technology in that area to to be able to create what they do today. So even from that perspective, it, it's special um, and they do some great work. But overall, like I said, a nice epilogue to the series. Definitely recommend Toy Story 4. Nice. So, Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Sounds like a great idea. Thanks for joining us, everyone. Uh, in addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. Also, if you want to communicate in the more long form or you're just not feeling social media, uh, please send us an email at boardwithvg at gmail.com. Uh, we tag our stuff with hashtag board with Fiji. So please use that hashtag so we can see what you're up to, what games you're playing, all that fun stuff on social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, we encourage you give us a stellar rating. That is whether you're downloading us from the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone board with video games feed. You can find me on ooh, Xbox Live, PlayStation Network at Why So Serious. That's S I R R I U S. And if I ever get Catan, I'll share that switch code with you. Kyle, where can they find you? So you can find me at all the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek, all at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And as always, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.